I have an announcement. We are going to be doing something quite stupid that we promised we would never do, but we are going back to Amity. That's right. We're going to live tweet the Amityville movie as it finally comes out. Thursday, October 12th. Free for everyone on Google Play. We're going to live tweet 8 No faith in the film. (laughs) Thursday, October 12th. 8 p.m. Eastern time. You can put it on. Watch along with us. We're going to live tweet it. It'll be a big party. We'll come up with a hashtag. It'll be a super fun thing. Uh, So join us for that. It'll be really goofy. Good time. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is a man who would probably try to hook up with the ghost of Liam Neeson circa 1984, even if it was known that he was a murderer. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano, and you bet your ass I would. Yeah, it's a very it's a very good Liam Neeson. <laughs> it's like prime Liam. It's a Liam Neeson I didn't know existed. Yeah. And like the current Liam Neeson, what the one we got now, great. I'm on board with that Liam. But like now that I know this was an option, I'm on board even more. We'll, we'll put a pin in Liam Neeson cuz we'll 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 come back to it right <laughs> we after. We don't we meet do him this. for like another hour. Yeah, yeah we we'll, we will come back to Liam Neeson, don't you worry. We're an 80s podcast every other week. We talk about 80s movies and make fun of them, usually from a place of love, but sometimes from pure abject hatred. Uh, we're starting the Spectacular. 2017 with the first of our two horror comedies high spirits so you know what that means we gotta go back we gotta go dissect the 80s it's your murder ghost something's gonna be done about your murder ghosts when the mega powers explode i'm talking about the 80s great scott cream of the crop oh yeah Let's let's put the word horror in like big old air quotes. Yeah, this is just a comedy. It's a it's a ghost comedy. Yeah, that's I I agree with that statement. Yeah, yeah. I thought based on the trailer, I thought it was a little more spoopy than it was, but this is pretty much Ghostbusters, which like I have heard people call Ghostbusters a horror comedy. I think that's probably not the correct label. I mean, it probably has the same amount of jump scares as Ghostbusters. Yeah, that's not that's not wrong. Um, but so the movie starts off, and I'm just like, "What the hell is this all star kick ass cast?" <laughs> it's it, like it lists names for like an hour, it's and so every many single names. one of them, you know, it's Peter O'Toole, Beverly D'Angelo, Daryl Hannah, Steve Gutenberg, and I was like, "Wait a minute." All and then you people? get to the secondary cast, and it's like Jennifer Tilly, Peter Gallagher, the the blood sucking lawyer from Jurassic Park. Okay, I didn't that he was one. So this Liam was, Neeson. This was a movie where I either knew the name or I knew the face, but everyone <laughs> got known somehow. Yeah, yeah. And um, and apologies I, to uh, apologies to Mr. Ferrero, but he is going to be called the blood sucking lawyer for the duration of this 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 podcast. All of my notes say lawyer from Jurassic Park. <laughs> I started. I abbreviated him as BSL, blood sucking lawyer. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm like, wait a minute. How have I never heard of this movie? It's got so many people I love in it. And then I watched the movie, and I knew exactly why I'd never heard of it. <laughs> but it it just led to questions of like, how did who? How did they con all of these people into being in this movie? So I I think that this just happened. Like Beverly and Beverly D'Angelo. 
I don't know if she'd done Vacation yet. When was the first Vacation movie? Let me check. Because this was 89. So it's like late in the Oh, then she definitely... Okay, then never mind. If it was 89, I'm confident that she'd already done... done, She had done Vacation and European. Yeah, yeah. Daryl Hannah had done Splash already. Gutenberg is like... And she had done Blade Runner. Oh, wow. Okay. And Good is at like the height of his popularity here. Peter Peter O'Toole is a Hollywood legend. How? (laughs) How did they trick all these people? Like... You know what I wonder? I wonder if this was the filming location was somewhere awesome. Like they got to. I mean, they were Glasgow. They were in Ireland, so like I have to imagine that that I would do that. So it's like, okay, you're gonna make this crappy horror comedy. Uh, we're spending a lot of money on special effects because they definitely did, uh, and you yeah. get to live in Ireland for a month. So like, I could see that swaying many of these actors. I can believe that. That does make sense. Um. It's funny because over, like, just off the bat, I'm just going to say my sort of general thought was it feels like a a made-for-TV movie. Like, it feels like a a Goosebumps episode, the way it's shot. Yes, it is. It it is cheap-looking. Yeah, okay, cheap-looking. I couldn't... That's the best way for me to phrase (laughs) that. I was like, you know, TV movie, Goosebumps in the 90s, cheap-looking. Yeah. It's cheap-looking except for the makeup. The makeup is all excellent. Yeah, yeah, and that's what's weird is they so it's almost like they were trying to copy Ghostbusters and they got some of the pieces and just missed the mark of the kind of magic of that's a really good script and written by people who are going to perform it and all those pieces that make Ghostbusters so great. Yeah. But it is odd because this shouldn't the makeup in this movie shouldn't be the the makeup of this movie is basically out of a completely different movie. It looks like they were like, oh, wait, Daryl, since you're done with that movie, can you and Liam come on over to our movie real quick? Do a couple yeah. scenes, like, while you're on lunch break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the this starts out with uh, Peter O'Toole is the owner-proprietor of this castle that you can sleep at. I guess it's a castle B&B, basically. <laughs> uh, and they're out of money. They're going to have to be foreclosed on. And he is, like, ready to kill himself in his office. And then his mom comes in and is like, what are you doing, you idiot? And then she starts talking about how these various ghosts in the family are going to be disappointed with him. And he gets the great idea to make a fake haunted house that you can stay in overnight. Which, let me let me put this out there right now. This is an untapped market. Like, yeah, Psych it, talked about this already. This yeah. movie talks about, like, come on, people. There are people who would pay. Now, you'd have to do this, I think, seasonally. I don't think people are going to want to do this in, say, January. But, like, October rolls around, and you can do, like, a uh, a night at a haunted place. I feel like you're going to make some money at that. I think I'm going to say I'm going to be bold and say you can do, like, late August to mid-November. And, like, anywhere in that time frame, I'm probably willing to do something like that. Yeah, and it needs to be, like, a quaint little inn that's normally a bed and breakfast, and then it's, like... But in October, it's blood and breakfast. <laughs> and they, like, do this. where yeah, The they, same way there's... that, like, f- regular farms will turn into haunted hayrides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's you know, apple picking and then chainsaw murderers. <laughs> I, would, I would go apple picking if that, like, they're like, oh, sometimes a chainsaw murderer pops out and you gotta outrun him. Yeah, yeah. I just, I feel like this would be very cool and... I don't know if I would want to stay there multiple nights because, like, eventually I would want to actually sleep. But, like, yes. one night where I know that it's going to be a straight-up Scooby-Doo haunted house experience, I'm there. I'm super I mean, people, down for that. 
People pay gobs of money to go to other kinds of haunted houses and be scared. It seems like they would pay a little bit more money to sleep the night at one. I'm exactly. just saying. I feel like, like this is people, an untapped market. People do that for actual, like, allegedly haunted places, like the Lizzie Borden house and things yeah, like that. Yeah, like, yeah, People will yeah. do it. But yes. I got confused because he's on the phone and, like, it's... This movie didn't do enough explaining, but then it explained too much of things that I didn't care about. Yes, that is so, a great way to put this. I was like, you know, you missed like points A, B, and C, but thank God you covered one, two, and three. Um, <laughs> he's on the phone with the bank, and there's people listening at the door, and he's clearly lying to the bank, apparently. And then his mom talks about the ghosts, and he's like, oh, I'll turn it into a ghost haunted house, like a ghost bed and breakfast. And the yeah. whole staff is like, there aren't any ghosts here. And I was like, wait a minute. There's nothing that says the mom is lying. So why why would you do that to us? So... I agree it was messy but clearly later she sees her dead husband and is like very nonchalant about it but nobody else can see him so yeah. I wonder like like they need they definitely need a sign where she has the the sight or the touch or the whatever you want to call it depending on your movie's rules where like we know she has the ability to see ghosts but not everyone can see ghosts we needed her to have her Whoopi Goldberg and ghost moment is what we needed or we needed her to be like crazy she needed to look like professor trelawney like i needed to believe that i needed <laughs> yes. her to be a crazy woman who's like there are ghosts in the house and like <laughs> you guys couldn't see his face when he did that it was a very funny face i'm sorry it looked very much like a disney character it was more muppety than that but go on um because like then i'm i'm with you then i understand that she's crazy so we'll go with it anyways but yes it's it's real muddy no, it is. It doesn't it doesn't get explained at all and it's confusing for the audience because not long after this conversation, while they're having fake ghosts preparations, we very quickly learn that there is the real ghost at least of the husband. So it's it's mm-hmm. very bizarre. They're setting up a lot of Scooby Doo. Yeah, we get a we get a Scooby Doo it up montage, which is really fun. I uh, really enjoyed like, that. Yeah, I it was like probably my favorite part of the movie. They're like building sets and rigging up ropes to do uh flying acts and those kind of things. And it's real silly, but it's also pretty fun. Yeah. The only thing that's weird about the the setting up the haunts and the scares is for some reason there's one scene with an alligator, which I was like, well, why would that be in these haunted things? That feels more Scooby-Doo than haunted. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but there's a scene where, like, this guy drops a mirror and decapitates a dummy, and he's like, you'll see what that means later. And then plot twist, you don't. No, you super don't. Super don't. I was like, when is that coming back? Like, are they going to show someone die? And like, oh, there's the bellhop getting decapitated. Oh, he's right here. That honestly felt like a moment where they made a legit mistake and I wasn't supposed to fall and they caught it on film and they were like, I don't know. We'll work with it. Okay. The, oh, I believe that. So then we cut to a plane where uh, we got the goot being the goot and Bev being Bev. Yeah. She is pretty much playing uh, like, forgive the term, but like cold frosty version of ellen griswold like i think we can call her the one-dimensional version of ellen griswold oh for sure but she like they they use every stereotype that they use in like a shitty movie to make a woman seem like the the evil character like she's she's frigid like she does not into steve gutenberg she doesn't want to fool around with her husband blah 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 she also takes like mm, 40 Vicodin, or I'm sorry, Valium. 40, Z- 40 Valium uh, in like a 12-hour period in this movie, which I'm pretty sure would kill a horse. 
Yeah, she definitely takes enough Valium to uh, tranquilize an animal for surgery. Yeah. But again, this is another problem I have where I I didn't once believe and understand why Bev was with Gutenberg. Nope. And clearly they hate each other. I was like from like from the beginning, but I need the scene. Like I need them on the plane to be like a little flirty. Like she could be like, I'm not going to have sex on the plane, but like giggle, giggle. Like I'm in love with you so that like we get like we need a journey. Yeah. These characters start off hating each other and then they break up and you're like, well, that's a logical thing for them to do. Do they Uh, actually break up officially? Does anyone say that word? We'll we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. There's. (laughs) This is th- this relationship is the weirdest thing we've covered, and not in like a weird, creepy way where it's like you know rapey. Yeah. It's just like I don't un- like who wrote this, and have they ever been in a relationship with another? I human think it's being? up there with Big Business. It's it's like the end of Big Business. Yeah, where it's like this is not okay. The, none just of this swap is okay. wives. <laughs> they don't just swap wives; they swap lives in yeah. Big Business. Life swap. <laughs> like get out of here with that. So he's like pouring champagne and trying to be like romantic. They're going on this second honeymoon and she's like not having it. She takes a volume. She puts her eye mask on and then the goot switches seats and next to this old woman who like is not paying attention to him doing a crossword or something. And he starts trying to give her champagne and she's like, no. And then like the hilarious joke to close out the scene, liberal air quotes here is he goes, I guess sex is off the table. And then kind of smirks to himself to drink champagne. And like, I get that they set that up with Bev D'Angelo, but that is a pretty shitty thing to say to this old woman. By the way, Mr. Gutenberg. He, well, he's kind of a shitty character. You think so? I think so. We will discuss why I literally wrote, oh, so he's apparently a shithead as a note towards the end of the movie, the last like 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm, we'll, we'll get there we'll, eventually. So we'll, yeah, pin, put a pin in that. That is Liam Neeson, pin for later. Uh, stay tuned, stay tuned. <laughs> Later in this episode. Uh, so they get off the plane. Coming and they get up on next this... in the hour. Liam Neeson. <laughs> Liam Neeson and his very handsome face. So they get they get on this weird bus. And on the bus, we meet the other people who are going to be at this hotel. It's uh, the blood-sucking lawyer and his wife and their three children who are very... The children are barely in the movie. And I didn't know one of them was a girl. Hmm? I didn't know one of them was a girl because they all have oh, the yeah. same haircut and same clothes. <laughs> they, do, they do all look identical. It's a very... Um, uh, what's the what's the famous movie where they have all the children and they sing the song? Sound of Music? Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. What's the name of the family, though? Oh, the Von Trapps. Yeah, I, yeah. Can, <laughs> can I get, like, a round of applause for understanding your reference of... Oh, come the- on, that was very logical. The big family... That, yeah, come on, I feel Play like that Play the tape. Was- what did you just say? <laughs> I feel like I said the, the big family... family with the singing. The sing- I mean, the big family with the singing is a pretty good... Cl- I feel like everyone in the audience out there who knows that movie was, like, yelling at it, waiting for you to say it. So sure. I-, I feel like that's not as weird as-, as you're giving yourself credit for. But in any case, uh, it's also Jennifer Tilly and Pete Gallagher who have, like, a weird flirty thing despite the fact that Pete Gallagher is a priest. I also... That, like, I don't think I've seen, like, young Jennifer Tilly before. I haven't, like, she looks every... Th- she looks the same as forgive the word old jennifer tilly <laughs> current jennifer tilly <laughs> yeah. but like i i was gonna say i don't like every jennifer tilly performance i've seen i think has been like 2000s and after and i was like mm. oh wow like I, it, she definitely looks like the young version of herself but she doesn't like it doesn't look drastically different no no um 
Also, just a PSA, since we talked about it a bunch on our uh, Chucky episode, the most recent Chucky movie comes on to Netflix. I think this is after. I can't remember when this episode drops, but October 3rd, it came to Netflix. So if you're a Chucky head out there or a burgeoning one after our episode, you can watch the most recent Chucky on Netflix. Is she in it? Chucky. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. great. Great, great, great. So just tying that to back to Jennifer. But also you got Pete Gallagher uh, pre-eyebrow uh face takeover because like he circa oc pete gallagher has some real bushy brows that are just like i'm coming to get you seth like very big eyebrow action and they're not quite they're not quite face hugger eyebrows in this which is which is nice um no not but also they have this like weird back and forth relationship tete a tete thing, and then at the and then they just disappear from the movie with like twenty five minutes left to go, and it's very weird how that gets resolved. This movie does a lot of juggling of of very different balls, and then suddenly just like drops a bunch and is like, I don't know, they're on the floor now. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it. Um, so, they, so, so they're, they're basically it's basically the Doctor Teeth and Electric Mayhem bus. But yes, it is. Yes, it absolutely is. And they're they're driving down these country roads, and they're preparing like the first scare that they're going to get people on the way to the castle. And it's a woman in like a very homemade flying rig, and they swing her out to be a banshee, and it immediately breaks, and she like crashes onto the roof of this bus and is like screaming for help because she's she's basically teen wolfing this bus. But I, okay, I don't know. It's a bu- it's it's one of the buses that has the like the gate around the top. It's sort of like a little bit a of luggage a f- rack. Oh yeah, a luggage rack. I was like, "You're pretty. You seem pretty safe up there. Like, there's worse buses to be stuck on." <laughs> I mean, yes, but I would not want to be on the top bus of a from car. Speed, for instance. I, uh, but uh, do you want to be on top of a car driven by this probably alcoholic man bumping down a country road? I wouldn't have freaked out as much as she did. She was well, reacting she as though a, she was in the bus from Speed. She has a full on freak out and and is is a panic up there. And they they finally Steve the Gutenberg opens to, the top like a sardine can. <laughs> yes. Yes, I didn't think that was a feature on buses until much later because I I rode on school buses without those air vents, and then they were implemented as I got older. So I didn't know that existed all the way back then. Uh, the bus goes. There's some silly bus hijinks, and it ends up in the lake, river, lock, lock. We'll say lock. It's Ireland. Yeah, lock. And he's like, "Don't worry, it's amphibious," and just starts driving it in the water. This ain't the magic school bus, buddy. <laughs> I don't see Miss Frizzle. Seatbelts, everyone. I don't see Miss Frizzle, uh, or her sister. And then, if if we're talking about the reboot, is that what they're doing? Yeah, I because they were like, oh, Miss, like because they have the they have Lily Tomlin there as Miss Frizzle, and I was like, is it her daughter? And then she was like, oh, sis, thanks for cleaning up the bus. And I was like, wait a minute, really? We're going with sister. Her sister would be the same age. What is the point of that? Apparently not. Apparently, her sister's in her like late twenties. Also. Also, 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 why does it need to be this contrived thing? Why can't they just have it be Miss Frizzle and have her be whatever age they want it to be? It's a fucking show about a magic school bus. Can we just have Miss Frizzle be a witch that we all know that she is? A time lord, like, essentially? Yeah, yeah. What? Fine. Who can, Who could possibly care? Are they really spending time on continuity of the Miss Frizzle? Apparently, it's just like <laughs> apparently it's like a, it's in the it's in the in the uh, the trailer. She's just like, thanks, sis. It's literally like a throwaway line of establishing who Kate McKinnon is because they, I think they just they were like we were able to get Lily Tomlin. So if you're able to get her, why not use her? 
Well, she could have played like another role. She could have played. The, did the bus talk? I, she could have done literally anything. They could have just had her be another character. Because uh, I the think janitor. all the kids look exactly the same. Well, which is yeah, weird. I get that. But they cast a really good Miss Frizzle and Kate McKinnon. I don't understand why you have to have a continuity conversation in a goddamn Magic School Bus reboot. But that's what like, I mean. Like, the kids are about? exactly the same. So I don't know why we had Miss Frizzle couldn't just be Miss Frizzle if the kids are the yeah, same. Yeah, <laughs> I... That is the that is like we talk about some weird shit on this show, and the fact that there is a retconned Miss Frizzle as Sister. the right—that's uh, the weirdest fucking thing we've talked about in a very long time. Or just get, or just I don't know why Lily Tomlin just isn't voicing Miss Frizzle again. She's still great. Well, oh, I did not know she was. I I did not know Lily Tomlin was the original Miss Frizzle. Yeah, so Lily now, Tomlin. So it is it is a proper torch passing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. What? Is ha- they have they care less about continuity in like major motion picture reboots of beloved franchises. They Look didn't give you, that much Jim of a and shit the holograms. The goddamn Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters, <laughs> Gem and the Holograms. Like f off. But Magic <laughs> School Bus. Doing? This is not a sacred text. It's a stupid children's show. Oh, that's just bizarre. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we just talked about Magic School Bus for it's five fine. minutes. But it's ridiculous. I didn't I'm not know mad about pieces. it. I will always talk about Kate McKinnon if given the opportunity. So anyway, they go to this castle and then they have this dumb joke that gets extended like way past the rule of three of every single dish is a variation of whiting. So, you know, it's whiting stew and boiled whiting and steamed whiting and whiting sandwiches. And and it becomes a running joke in the movie where, like, later another character says, oh, like, don't worry, I'll make you a whiting sandwich and go inside. And, uh, you know, there's also a part where a fish starts singing and, and the guy says something about whiting. And I, what, I, was there, like, a hilarious run on whiting jokes in 1989 that we just don't know about? I didn't even like, know whiting is- was a fish. <laughs> I don't understand why there's such an emphasis on whiting, but there is so much emphasis on whiting in this movie. We also get, like, what I believe to be the second and only other use of a parapsychologist other than Casper. Oh, who's weirdly trained at Duke University. I don't think they have that program at the yeah. Duke University anymore. I wouldn't think so. That might have been discontinued after 89. But the lawyer from Jurassic Park is a parapsychologist. And immediately I was like, like, <laughs> like Christina Ricci's dad from Casper? <laughs> Bill Pullman? He, Bill Pullman? He has, he has all sorts of ghost busting equipment, which is, you know, it breaks our sacred rule of stop reminding me I'm not watching a movie that's better than you. Right? Because it's very clearly Ghostbusters adjacent. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, home, it's homemade tech and just all sorts of nonsense. Uh, and then at the other end of the table is Pete Gallagher, the priest, with Jennifer Tilly, and she is laying, she is coming in hot and leaving hot. Oh, absolutely! She's she's she wants a piece of that Gallagher. <laughs> so they they adjourn to a bar after dinner, and they're singing and drinking beers, and, and no then, one's allowed to talk while they're singing. Yeah, it's a very un, like this is why I don't stay at B and B's. Because, like, I just feel like there's too many scheduled activities that I just don't want to be a part of. I don't want to do puzzles in the living room surrounded by everybody else. Yeah, I don't I don't have any interest. I don't want... I don't know these people. I want to be in control of my vacation. Like, I got to eat breakfast when you say I got to eat breakfast. That's not a vacation. That's At life. 5.45 a.m. <laughs> That's life. But so, yeah, they have to sit and quietly watch this singing, and then they can order their beers between songs, so everybody, like, rushes up there to buy beer. It's very stupid. 
the conceit is that it's all part of the spoopy experience they've created at the castle, which for some reason includes puppet show about the ocean and mermaids for yeah, no discernible I, reason. Like what it needs to be is the history. What it, in a better movie, it would be them giving the history of the castle very quickly with puppets so that it's like, Oh, this explains all the scares you're going to get this weekend. You know, they, this guy killed his wife. And I was like, she... why Why is it a mermaid? Why is it the ocean? Why is it a, Why is it all flats like this? Like, what is happening? Yeah, it's very weird. And then it's very cornball, like, flat cardboard pieces that it's made of. It, this is a reference I don't... Well, we, we saw this together, but I don't think you've seen it since. It's very similar to Coraline, when she, like, goes to the performance space in the other world, and it's all cardboard moving flats and right right i i think it also is referencing british theater don't they do a lot of shows like or didn't they used to do many shows like this around holidays that's true yeah like a panto yeah yeah but anyway so they 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 tell the spooky story of the haunted house and all that stuff and then we cut to like everybody going to bed and one of the haunts that they'd prepared was a suit of armor that they, for some reason, spray painted black, which I don't quite understand. No, they were spraying, but like, they were cobwebbing it. I thought they were cobwebbing the bar. The suit of armor looked like they turned it black. Anyway, no, think- it's in any case, it, whether or not, it, it's, a, it's a suit of armor with a guy in it. And this woman is, like, taking off her garters and her underwear and stuff and handing it to what she thinks is her husband, but is this suit of armor, which is, like, fine well, no, if it's a haunted house. She but- drapes it on the armor knowingly first. And then later, like two seconds later is, which is only important because she then later doesn't notice when the thing isn't in the room. Well, also, it's just like a dude watching this woman undress. It's like deeply uncomfortable. See, I, I genuinely wasn't sure if this was a dude because you can kind you could see through the armor at points. It was, it was, it's, it's it was not very bed knobs and bruises. It's not, it's not supposed to be bed knobs and bruises. It's a hundred percent supposed to be a guy. Traguna McCoides. Yeah, it is not that. It is 100% a guy pretending to be a ghost in a suit of armor. Well, we know that, but I wasn't sure if in the in the realm of the of the movie it was like, oh, we don't know as the audience. Is it real? Is it not? Is no, it no, 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 thing? no, no, no. We 100%, we saw them prep the suit of armor. 100%, we know that that's a dude in there who's a peeping Tom. Well, it's, it's his mom, a peeping mom, really. Well... <laughs> Fine, but it's still creepy. <laughs> Can you just get on up. the fucking page with me that it's creepy I, that a person is hanging out in their bedroom watching them get naked? You're like fighting me so hard. Get on the get up, get up here. Get up here on the ledge. I didn't. I thought differently about it. I thought different weird. <laughs> it's so creepy. Like I would be so upset if I found out that the fake haunting was them watching me get naked. Yeah. But they're also really dumb. Like, they're all so dumb that I don't feel bad for any of them. Well, yeah, every character in this movie is a nightmare. Like, there's 0% chance you don't hear a suit of armor walking behind you. Like, there's 0% chance you don't remember. Like, if you hung your negligee on a suit of armor, commented on that you had to hang it on a suit of armor and not a coat rack, you would notice when it left your room. Yeah, absolutely. Also, suits of armor are perhaps the loudest things in existence when they move. (laughs) Right? 
So uh, in Jennifer Tilly's room, the bed is spinning and it's like swirling around and it, it starts off slow, which I really thought was effective that she's facing the TV and then she's not facing the TV anymore. She's you know, facing the mirror mm-hmm. and then it starts going faster and faster and faster and faster. And Pete Gallagher rushes in, jumps on the bed with her and they're like having this weird, like very sexually tense moment of, on a spinning bed. But my favorite is when it finally breaks and this bed we watch fall through like five floors <laughs> It's, How she got up that high in this castle, I don't know. It would have taken her eons, I feel like. Because we see later they do pan up to show that it's a guy what spinning what looks like a spinning wheel from Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, it is. To make the bed spin. But then all of a sudden the bed lifts off the ground for some reason unknown. And then crashes through roughly 30 floors. <laughs> and there's no elevators in this medieval castle by the by no it goes down 30 floors and then we see it go down some stairs and slide into frame um also meanwhile as the bet like before that all crashes down there's a couple of cool scares i really liked the mirror hologram thing they did yeah they, they bounced they bounced the light into the room and it looked like the guy was crawling around on top of the wife which yeah I, not in a creepy way he was like stomping on her I almost um, wish they had been able to do that more practically. Yeah, it did look it did look cool, but it was obviously some sort of uh, overlay, double film thing. Yeah, yeah. And then the woman playing the banshee is swinging around outside, and she's getting mad that Pete Gallagher's not paying attention, so she starts swearing at him. Which because they keep delightful. making her do it. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. keep like you didn't see it, do it again. <laughs> And I love that, like, it's so low tech that so it's an arm that swings out and she hangs from it. But to counterweight her, they have another human being tied to the other end of the rope who jumps off. So she gets ripped into the air and then the thing swings. And then, you know, I guess they, you know, balance out or whatever. But this poor bastard is like, not again. And they shove him off the thing and just like, ah! and she goes swinging. And she's like, you son of a bitch, look out the window. It's really very, very choice. <laughs> But then the lawyer from Jurassic Park starts fighting the suit of armor who is inexplicably on roller skates. Yeah, I didn't understand that. And especially if it's supposed to be the mom character, like she's very old to be roller skating. She is frail. She's She basically went off this movie and then went and played the old lady in Titanic. <laughs> um so he fights a suit of armor and then the bed crashes through and everybody comes downstairs like trying to figure out what the hell's the matter. The bed hits Peter O'Toole and he like has to climb out of the bed through Jennifer Tilly and Pete Gallagher, which is kind of a fun visual. It, uh, I will I like also it. say that like Peter O'Toole is very committed to this bad movie. They all pretty much are though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't get a lot of fo- I didn't get a lot of oh god. Let's wrap this up, please. Beverly D'Angelo a little bit for me. See, I couldn't tell if that was her character or her. Yeah, I don't know, but I assume that it was a little bit of each. Because this is also where we... Because I, I wrote, oh, two-dimensional Beverly... Two-dimensional two Beverly D'Angelo. And then, oh, crap, evil two-dimensional Beverly D'Angelo. Yeah, yeah. So the blood-sucking lawyer is like, all right, all this ghost stuff is a sham. I came here to check to see that you were really haunted. It's obviously a lie. I'm going to I'm gonna tear you a new one. Um, and then... The guy's like, well, look, this son of a bitch owns my castle, and if I don't, if I can't make money, I'm going to lose it. And uh, the goot is like, well, wait, that's my father-in-law. And everybody whips around to look at Beverly D'Angelo with the meanest expressions on their faces. And she's doing it like already halfway up the stairs. 
Yeah, like <laughs> fastening her robe against her against her throat and being like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have a different name than that for sure. Uh, excuse me, goodbye. She basically heard the name and started was like, I'm getting the hell out of here. Yep, yeah, like this this tide is about to turn and it will point directly at me. Uh, so it it turns out that her dad is basically and Chevy is not here to castle. break me out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need a good. Buff- That's the problem. Is she needed the big, broad buffoonery of a Chevy Chase to balance out this character, and Goot is not playing that character. Because I feel like for me, a lot of the, uh, like, a lot of why it works for the vacation movies is that Beverly and Chevy, Bev and Chev, if you will, have. A very similar energy of like they feel the same age and like Gutenberg does not feel the same age as Beverly D'Angelo no she yeah and they might be the same age in this movie but they just don't feel like it they don't they don't carry themselves the same way and she's very much is you know what's what's her name in vacation movies we have Audrey uh, Russ Ellen Ellen Ellen. yeah she's very much still at Ellen mode which I like I like that's my favorite it's mostly the Beverly Angel, I don't know. Um, but he just feels like, doesn't feel like they're the same, I don't know. Something feels weird about that. It's, so here's the problem I have with it. It seems like a situation where somebody married somebody for power or money, but Goot doesn't have either of those things, and she does, and he did not, his motivation is not that. So I don't, yeah. like it, it just doesn't make any sense. The relationship makes no sense, because they clearly don't like each other. He is into her for some reason that we don't ever see in the movie. Like they never explain why he fell in love with her in the first place. She has wants nothing to do with him. She like actively avoids having sex with him at every opportunity by taking Valium until she passes out. Like, it's just a weird, it's awful. The relationship is awful. What I needed was in a second, Goot's going to drink with Peter O'Toole. And what I needed was like the flashback to when they first met and how they fell in love. I wanted to be like, Mm mm-hmm. You know, she's not the girl I married and like, here's who she was. And I, I want, I needed that because I, I just didn't care about the relationship because it just didn't seem like a thing. Yeah. Especially when you're about to have a scene where they're getting drunk together, it could easily have just been like dialogue that explained, you know, oh my God, ever since her dad put her in line to take over the company, she's been a changed woman. Like, okay, I get it now. Like, I, I'm fine with it. But the way that this is set up is... They go in the hallway and they have a fight and she's like, it's just business. And he just sadly shuffles away. She's like, where are you going? He's like, to get drunk. <laughs> he basically <laughs> hangs his head and you hear the Charlie Brown music. <laughs> yeah. Or the sad walking away music from the Incredible Hulk. Like, <laughs> yes. It just, he, he just like sadly walks down the hallway and you're, you're like, oh man, the goot is in a real bad way here. So he drinks so he does Peter get- O'Toole. And then Peter O'Toole is like, let me break out the good stuff. My father's brew. And here's where I thought, I was like, oh, is the brew going to make the difference between, like, seeing ghosts and not seeing ghosts? No, not at all. No, because that would be way too clever. That would be way more interesting than what this movie does, which is nothing interesting ever. No. He gets drunk and essentially stumbles into that episode of Buffy where the ghost couple is trapped in the high school. Oh, yeah. That is kind of what that is. I was like, it's also it also like not for nothing, but if a strange man who owns a fake haunted castle offers you a dusty bottle that he claims his father, who's now deceased, used to make himself, you don't drink that bottle. Nothing good comes from that. With no label. 
Yeah, no, you Emperor's New <laughs> Emperor's New Groove and toss it into a plant. Absolutely you do. Anything other than drinking that is the answer. Yeah, so Goots is drunk and takes the bottle with him, I think? He does. Yeah, he does. And he wanders into uh, Ghost Daryl Hannah, who I allude, who is one half of the Buffy ghost couple. Yeah. Um, but she can't see or hear him, and neither can Ghost Liam Neeson. So they have this scene that they reenact over and over in the movie where she comes running in, he chases her down, he beats her a little bit, then he stabs her. And the Goot watches this happen once, and then the second time he intervenes thinking that it's a show, which is weird because, like, the, the I get thinking it's a show the first go-around, but yeah. the second go-around is, like, you watch them disappear. That's That's an impossible special effect. Especially given, like, what you know is their budget. Right, right. So he gets in the way and uh, Liam Neeson stabs the goot instead of Daryl Hannah, which frees her from the loop. For reasons unknown or why she was trapped in the loop in the first place. Yeah, uh, that's never explained at any point in the movie. I needed to know why she was cursed with that because she didn't seem like a bad person in any way. No, and he, him being caught in that loop where he has to relive murdering her over and Makes over again sense. seems like, yeah, seems like a valid penalty for him. But she is also there, and it's really terrible. So yeah, I don't, I didn't quite understand that one. Um, so there's a, I love Daryl Hannah. I'm just gonna say that it's the first time, many times I'm gonna say I just love Daryl Hannah. She's phenomenal. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, she, they like talk briefly and then she disappears. So he's like, I'm going to go to bed. And so he goes to his what to Beverly D'Angelo and she's snoring. Can't say anything to him when he asks if she ever loved him. The answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, he, he, he discerns the correct answer regardless. It's just bizarre. So he goes to take one of her Valium, but when he's there, ghost Daryl Hannah's hands pop out of this, the mirror and like switch them. It, she does some sort of magic-y swirl, and I guess... Yeah, there's she, a lot of magic swirls in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and later we find out that Beverly D'Angelo is out of this B12 vitamin, so the goot just took, like, a shitload of B12 instead of the Valium, which, fine, I guess that makes sense for why he's not dead. But, but we're supposed to believe he... It looks like she's killing him. Like, there's something creepy about, oh, did she just turn him into a ghost? Oh, I totally thought... That's funny. I totally did not get that at all from this. I thought she was saving him. Oh, no. I immediately got like, did she just kill him? Because he wakes up and Beverly D'Angelo is completely ignoring him. And he's mouthing off to her and like, well, I'm dead. I can say whatever the hell I want. And I was like, oh, she actually did murder him. But then yeah, no. he's he's talking us real stream of shit to Beverly D'Angelo, who finally slaps him and is like, fuck off, man. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, while that's happening, one of the people who works at the hotel finds Peter O'Toole asleep inside a roll top desk, it's which is beautiful. just an amazing visual. Yeah. Like here's a dude who's like, I don't know, one of the better actors ever. Lawrence right? of like, Arabia from the yeah. film Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Thank you. And they're like, Hey. Larry, would you, uh, would you crawl? They call him Larry for Lawrence, even though his name's Peter. It's fine. And they're like, hey, Larry, would you, uh, would you get inside that roll top desk? I know you're like 6'5", and that's a small desk, but like, it's fine. Just pop in there. And, it's uh, and Peter friggin' O'Toole is like, yeah, no big deal. I just, I don't know how, I love that he was so on board for this nonsense. 
so the mom is talking to the the dead dad, and at this point, you realize like, okay, ghosts are real for sure. This woman can somehow see them, despite the fact that no one else can. But Steve Goot can. It's I, I needed more rules. Yeah, there are there are none. Uh, so Beverly D'Angelo is like storming down the hallway, and she sees the blood sucking lawyer. And like talks to him for a minute, and then starts kissing him, and then she does a classic like smooch and slap, like "How dare you!" Even though she initiated the kiss. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, so there, and then the, everyone who everyone who came to the castle piles back into the van to be like the bus to be like we're leaving, and they're waiting on except Goot. the Goot who is having a conversation with Daryl Hannah. Yeah, she just appeared and was like. You do love me. I need your help. And I was, it's like, whoa, let's not throw the L word around real quick. Yeah, that is, that is, I mean, I know they moved quickly back in the olden days, but that is way too quickly for me. Um, so so he, he starts to reject her and then there becomes this like ghostly wind that's like pushing him out of the room and down the hallway. And then he rolls down the stairs, which is a really nice looking stunt by the, presumably not the goot. <laughs> and then the winds go outside and proceed to just wreak havoc. They're like ripping the car apart. And here's the, the part that really threw me was Bev D'Angelo like starts to enjoy this. Yeah, a real 180 on Bev's part. Where, and like, I her like it was so weird off. that I was like, oh, everyone's clothes get ripped off, and she's she's giggling about it, and then she looks at Pete Gallagher's dick and is like, oh, I guess they didn't drive all the snakes out of Ireland, which like one is a great line, and hats off to her for a it, beautiful <laughs> line, Bev. But also like, where who is this person? Like, this is not the character we've been hanging out with for an hour, and it'd be one thing if she like overdosed on Valium before the scene and like we saw her take too much like we there was none of that there was no explanation what I thought had happened was Daryl Hannah disappears and then the wind kicks up I thought she like jumped into Bev's body somehow oh I would have liked that and we were getting like a real ghost Patrick Swayze inside uh, Whoopi Goldberg situation not yet <laughs> not yet Um. so they all run inside Bev's cackling up a storm like a like a crazy person. And then uh, Goot just casually walks into a talking horse. Yeah, and he's completely unfazed by the fact that he's talking to a horse. Why is there a talking horse? Where did he go after this scene? I have no idea. The horse, the horse is in the movie for one minute. Unexplained and written off. Uh, meanwhile, back at the hotel... The blood-sucking lawyer who is now wearing some of the suit of armor we saw earlier. <laughs> They're all wearing, like, like, lampshades and curtains. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's real Beverly fun. Beverly D'Angelo has a lampshade on, and she's honestly kind of rocking it. I'll, she, I'll be honest. It's like it, it's like when you uh, a poor man in the 1920s wore a barrel. She's just, like, holding up. <laughs> With straps. Yeah, she's holding up this giant lampshade. So it's, like, dress-shaped, and she's kind of, like, working it out. It's great. Yeah. So the lawyer's wearing the suit of armor, and he's like, I'm not staying here. F this. I'll walk to town. And he takes one step out the front door and gets struck by lightning and launched onto a Frankenstein An impossible pad. landing, we'll say. Well, yes. But also, the thing he lands on is the thing that, they, that Frankenstein <laughs> yeah. uses to lift the monster up to get struck by lightning. Like, it's a very odd visual choice. Um, and this is the first instance of me noting that Daryl Hannah's makeup is the perfect blend of beauty makeup and like spooky dead makeup. Yeah. And then 
later when she goes full on dead thing, it is so good. Like Walking Dead level good that everybody loses their mind over good. It, it reminded me of Beetlejuice, the end of Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Her makeup, her makeup is awesome all the way through. This. Liam Neeson's too. Like, is really yeah, yeah. And I and there's also um, this movie is available entirely for free on YouTube. We should have mentioned that at the top. Um, it could have been the quality of that that we were watching because I didn't. I obviously didn't rent it when I could watch it for free. Uh, it looked like as we got closer to Halloween, which is like the special day in the movie, their skin tone was coming through. Like they were having signs of life. And I wasn't sure oh. if that was just the rip or like that was an intentional thing. Uh, if it was intentional, it was very cool. I agree. So Guten uh, D- Daryl Hannah are flirting and she's basically like, hey, I need a miracle to be human again. You know, go talk to the old lady and she'll explain it to you. BT Dub, my abusive, murderous husband is still around. And yeah. where is he? In the shower with Bev D'Angelo, shirtless for some reason. But I'm not Burping and it. farting on her. Oh, that's the thing. Okay. 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 Can we just talk about that for a moment? <laughs> yeah, we can. That's why How- I brought it up. Daryl Hannah's like, my disgusting husband. He's ugly, and he has warts, and he burps, and he farts, and he's... What is squishes? What was squishes? Did you... I thought that she was saying, like, he between was his legs... Uh, okay. I, I, I thought it was saying like, and his dick don't work. Got was it. Like the Daryl Hannah, the the classy way of saying that, but I don't know. So we're described a man who is ugly and disgusting and warty and farty and burpy and broken dick. Who, by the way, we have seen already in this movie. We know who she's talking about because we know he killed her. But like, then we see him shirtless, and I was like, where did that description come from? Naked. He's naked. What? You see his legs too, I thought. No, he's got pants on. Okay. He's he's cuz he he's wearing soaking wet pants and no shirt. Ah, uh, okay. And I was like, "Where did this this is not the same person when but, you but, ordered online versus when it arrives?" Yeah, exactly. But also, Bev D'Angelo's in the shower, right? Washing her hair, haven't she's had a stressful day and she's trying to like relax. And then it's like <laughs> And she's like, oh, Goots, will you wash my hair? And then she's like, rub my shoulders. Like, this woman has completely changed her character because 20 minutes ago, this character, if she thought her husband farted on her in the shower, would have kicked him in the dick. And, like, here's the thing. Gutenberg, I believe that you would be that person, burping and farting. Like, your characters 100% would have been those, would have done that. Absolutely. So I buy it. The goot would have been a, the kind of guy who Dutch ovens his wife. Like 100%. Dutch he's ripping the, the big one and yanking the covers over her head and finding that hilarious. But like, he's speaking with a, with an Irish accent and touching you with hands that clearly aren't Steve Gutenberg. Why does it take yeah. this long? Yeah, I, it just, again, two two episodes in a row where people don't recognize people they should instantly recognize. Yes. But but here's my other thing. So like this is the first interaction between Bev D'Angelo and Liam Neeson. I don't understand what her attraction is to this character that she eventually falls in love with. Like the first instance is he creeps on her in the shower and she's like kind of okay with it, which like I get it. Liam Neeson's hot, but like it's stupid. I mean, he can creep in my shower, <laughs> but it's gonna, it's pretty dumb, right? Like it's pretty into the world. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, I, I don't, I have a lot of thoughts about the end of this movie, 
where a lot of hand waving everything's fine for two of the shittiest characters in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like very, he's a very he's an abusive waving. murderer. Yeah. Like an ugly abusive murderer is who he's described as. And what we get is yeah. like Liam A happy Neeson, ending for him. A happy ending for him. But we get like primo hot Liam Neeson. Yeah, yeah. I don't like I it. Just, I, I don't just, like it one bit. I can't. So we cut to the blood sucking lawyer who's doing his best Whose Ghostbusters. Hair is still and he smoking. actually Yeah, and he looks like uh Rick Moranis' character, uh Oh Lewis. he does. He's got like the hair zapped out and he's like all wackadoodle looking. He looks like when Lewis gets attacked by the dog and goes running for help. So he's like searching the castle with some, you know, fake doohickey or whatever. Meanwhile, His the kids, kids are attacked. bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a really uh, amazing scene that kind of came out of left field in terms of how great it was. They're watching TV and they say that they're complaining that there's only four channels. So they decide to pick up a can or a book or something and throw it's a it. a book. A book. And they throw it into the TV. It goes into the TV and the person catches it and throws it back. And then immediately starts like controlling the room with her mind, which is pretty buck wild. It's crazy. It's, it's very much the scene from Ghost where... Uh, the bathroom scene in Ghost, where Patrick Swayze is like, yeah, definitely freaking definitely. out. Um, Willie Loman. Nope, that's Death of a Salesman. <laughs> I think it is Willie though. I think it's Willie Lopez. Uh, yes, yes, it is Willie Lopez. <laughs> Willie Loman. I would love. I would this. like to see the version of Death of a Salesman you've just concocted, where the Swayze's character in Ghost is haunting Arthur, uh, <laughs> where Willie Loman, Loman tries to kill Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> I'm so on board for that. Um, so, so the old lady invites Goot in, and she's like, "Hey, ghosts are real. Here's a book of legends you should read to understand." It has what's the going title on. of the movie. So Pete Gallagher is looking out his window and at looking at Jennifer Tilly, but in this case, it. It seems consensual. Like, I it's, think Jennifer Tilly knows his room is there and is doing her leg lotion. She 100%. Like, these rooms are big. She 100% is doing this so that he'll get a little peep show and come on over. Yeah. Now, I, I'm going to share an anecdote. Uh, <laughs> when I was in college, the building that we had was basically like two L's put together. So, like, if you imagine one L facing north with the tip facing north and one L with the tip facing south, and so the the two interior parts butted together. And so Mm -hmm. there were two rooms where if you looked out the window, you could see into the the next – if your – my friend's room was the bottom of the L, and if you looked toward the the 90-degree angle, you could see into the room over there. And one time on a Friday or Saturday night, there was, like, a bunch of us in that room, uh, you know, doing things we probably shouldn't have been doing, and – I was like leading on the window and I looked over and I saw two people that we kind of knew like having a good time as, as two adults, <laughs> as two adult people might want to do. And I start giggling cause like, that's a funny thing. And then suddenly yeah, everyone's like, what's story. so funny? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, well, they're, the blinds are open and they're, they're having some, uh, particularly visually interesting adult fun time. Making whoopee. And, and uh, so a bunch of people like rush over to look at this as like, you would a hundred percent as you would. And, and, and let me be fair here. You could see that they were doing this, but you really couldn't make anything out. You know, like it was, it was far enough away and the lights were dim enough. that It's like, you could see that they were in bed together, but you couldn't like, it wasn't like we were watching these people like porno style. Right. I mean, yeah. again, I probably shouldn't have been doing it, but like the, it, 
whatever. It wasn't it wasn't as lecherous as this story might sound. Like it was more giggly and silly. But my favorite part of it was finally the girl who's rewearing was like, all right, this is this is enough of this, this is enough. And everyone's like, no, it's funny. Ha 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 ha. And she finally just like jumped up and grabbed the window shade and just like yanked it down and was like, <laughs> okay, enough. Like <laughs> enough. We're not doing this anymore. So I just that always made me chuckle. Anyway, that is not what happens here. What happens is Peter Gallagher starts praying for help and the creepiest nuns in history, even creepier than that conjuring two nun, start the, descending like, out of the walls and like the floor the and stuff. It's like creatures from Spaceballs meets scary nun. Meets the things in Ghost. Yes, yes, exactly. They have it's it, they're nun habits, but there's no face. It's just piercing two piercing red eyes. They set his dick on fire. Yeah. He asks for a sign that like he shouldn't be having these lustful thoughts. And they're like, all right, here's your sign. You fire ask. dick. <laughs> so he jumps out the window <laughs> into the fire to dick. save himself. <laughs> so he jumps like two stories out the window to save himself. And then cut to uh, Jennifer Tilly, who's also attacked by the nuns. And she jumps out the window. So and Jennifer he, like, basically saves her. So the blood-sucking lawyer from Jurassic Park's electrocution hair looks exactly the same as Jennifer Tilly's normal hair in this movie. Yes, it kind of does. They're literally the same hair. Yeah. Also, the lawyer is walking down the hallway, and there's a giant statue of a fish, which I guess is probably a whiting, and an arm comes out of the mouth and chokes him, and then he, like, panics and faints, and then the arm, the, the hand, like, wags a finger at him and then disappears. It's a great jump scare, because it's a spooky-looking arm, and a jump scare is pretty effective. So, but here's the weird thing. Tilly and the Gallagher are in the pool together, and she's like, uh, why are you in the pool? And he's like, uh, sometimes God sends you a sign, which made me think, like, Oh, this character who we should have mentioned was on his final retreat before taking his vow of chastity. Maybe like, okay, he's fallen in love with Jennifer Tilly and they're, they're going to go to the, to the bone town. But then they're barely in the rest of the movie. There's like yeah. one more scene with them and that's it. It doesn't make any it's sense. Very at all. bizarre because it, because it, they spend so much, so much of this movie is this weird contrived love story between Goot and Daryl Hannah and, like, they've known each other for four hours. And they also, not for nothing, but they really have no chemistry together. They really, well, it, I, I'm, I'll am i say it. I don't think a lot of people have a lot of sparkling chemistry with Steve Gutenberg. If you're going to dismerge the goot, you put those words back before you take them out, sir. <laughs> like, I, 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 you're not wrong, but I would say Ali Sheedy had really good chemistry with him in the, the short circuit movie that we watched. She did, but he, he also is clearly more interested in the robot than her. I mean, yes, but I don't. I think Gutenberg has okay chemistry with people. Like, I think I agree with you. He's not like leading man handsome, and the fact that he had a leading man career for a decade is like kind of How? befuddling to me. Thanks, cocaine. <laughs> but he is charming. Like, you got to give him the charm. Factor. Oh, he definitely has like a charm to him. But I, I don't like. There's certainly like, like oh, they have chemistry with everyone, but he's just not one of those people. The ideal Steve Gutenberg role is really nice stepdad. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's like the perfect Steve Gutenberg role is like 
Mom has two kids. She's marrying Gutenberg. The kids kind of don't like him, and in the end, they fall in love with him in a platonic father kid yeah. way, not in a creepy way. That like they they have a relationship at the end. Like that's the ideal Gutenberg. It's not like sweeping Daryl Hannah off her ghost feet. For this time period of the Goot, I would say the ideal role for him is like best friend at the architecture firm of the romantic lead. And he, he also falls in love with the second female lead. Yeah, exactly. Like he falls in love with her best friend. Yep. Uh-huh. I'm with you. Or And that's, they, they help get them together, and then they fall in love. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That feels like not his he, wheelhouse, uh, but everything I'm seeing is just like, he's a leading man. He's a leading man. He's a romantic lead. Yeah, no. That's all he played. Really, truly, that's all he played. Because they've, yeah, they've known each other for four, for four hours. They don't have a lot of chemistry. It, apparently, they're madly in love like deeply in like true love's kiss love, which is just weird for two adults. And now here's the thing. I could see her falling in love with Gutenberg considering her last 200 years has been uh, repeated murder by the same man that like, she's just Even like, if he does any, look like Liam Neeson, any dude who looks at me and is not trying to stab me. I'm into <laughs> him. Like sign me up. Like I get, I get her desire to leap onto the Gutenberg train. I yeah. don't quite get how he's jumping in bed with the ghost this quickly. Yeah, it's it's just so bizarre because this is where Bev D'Angelo comes into the fray of ghosts and goots. Right, which they, sounds they all, like a new they, podcast. Ghosts and goots. I would. Yeah. I would listen to that. I would listen to that. Um, she and the goot watch the scene happen again, where Liam kills Daryl Hannah. And he is like, look, they're ghosts. You got to watch this thing. And she kicks Liam Neeson in the dick, which frees him from the loop at the but same he time. That doesn't show it yet. He like yes. tricks her. He like fakes her out. Yeah. Uh, so the goot runs off with Daryl Hannah who, to try to figure out what's going on there. And then Liam Neeson is like, I'm not really in a loop. Now have sex with me, Beverly D'Angelo. And she's kind of like, well, I'll think about it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not on. I'm not off board. <laughs> I mean, I'm not quite on board, but like I'm not I'm not running in terror, which like it's being considered her interactions with this man have been one. He burped and farted on her and touched her in the shower without her consent. And two, he murdered someone in front of her eyes beyond a millionth it, time. It's not even without her consent. It's with her with her tricked consent in the shower. Yeah. OK. Like that's like what? 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 <laughs> And so she, like, immediately is trying to have sex with this guy. It's like, you saw him beat this woman and murder her. Like, you watched it happen on a time loop. You know who this is. I just... I... It feels like there were about 30 minutes of necessary plot that got cut out of this movie. (laughs) Yeah, that they were like, we gotta cut our losses. This is a huge flaming turd. But I feel like it would have been saved if things had been explained. Like, as far as we know, Liam Neeson's character shouldn't have any saving graces. But apparently he does. And Beverly, Beverly, and Beverly D'Angelo is in love with him. Yeah, but this again, movie works way better explained if... Or shown or built up to. This movie works way better if it's Gutenberg alone saving Daryl Hannah and vanquishing... Liam Neeson. Yes. I, I don't I don't think Beverly D'Angelo's character needed to be married to him. She just doesn't need to be in the movie at all. 
Well, I mean, she's there for the for the plot device of my father owns the castle, which I don't yeah, mind. But that. we could have done a we could have done a John Denver Christmas gift on this bad boy, and he could have been the representative from the company coming to. Oh, check out. I like that. Okay, I like that. Yeah, and we could have been fine, and we wouldn't have had to have a weird kid with a giant dollhouse see our episode on the Christmas gift with John Denver. If you would like more, uh, it's getting close. You wrote to that your letter holiday. to Santa, right? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it's very, very strange. But anyway, um, we get a really cool scene where Peter O'Toole kind of rallies the troops and he starts talking to everybody in the castle and then pieces of the wall start floating past him. And he finally is like, why is the wall floating away? And all of the people who are looking at him are watching these dead bodies crawl out of their graves, which are inexplicably in the wall of the house. By the way, she mentioned the mom has a throwaway line in the beginning of so and so got walled up in a room. Yeah, but there's like 20 people in there. I agree. This also it looks a- like it looks like a catacombsy situation, frankly. For sure, it does. Um, but I was like, oh, are these the evil, scary ghosts that we have to fight now? Would have been much better. Would've no, been it's so not. much better. Instead, it's just there's a big production of the wall floating away, and then absolutely no payoff. Yeah, and also most of these ghosts disappear after this. Like, there's some really cool, creepy makeups, uh, very thriller-esque, and then they are just gone. Yeah. Like, we do the whole show. We're like, oh, look at the wall breaking apart and floating and these people crawling down, and it's it's a full scene, and then they waltz right out of the movie. Yeah, it doesn't make a lick of sense. So O'Toole has a convo with his dad, who's like, what have you done to my hotel? You're ruining the whole thing, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then we cut to probably my favorite gag in the movie. The chef walks by with a whiting, which is a very small fish, by the way, they must've cut like thousands of whiting. Yeah. For the, for all this food, but the whiting is whistling and he cuts the head off and it keeps whistling. And he looks at the blood sucking lawyer and his wife and is like, I don't hear anything. Do you hear anything? And they're both like, Nope. And this fish is just whistling away underneath them. Whistle, whistle, whistle. And then Liam Neeson gets what I think is one of the best reveal entrances in the movie. Bev D'Angelo is sitting on be- on the bed, filing her nails, and then the sheets behind her start like rising as though there's a body under them. And then the camera pans around her to reveal, boom! It's shirtless Liam Neeson, and doing like a real playgirl, like leaning on one arm pose. It's very Burt Reynolds. Yes, <laughs> in that, yeah, in that yeah, skin rug thing. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and again, like I'd hit it, but also we know he's a murderer, so we shouldn't hit it. Yeah. D- try not to fuck murderers if you can, audience. Yeah. Just don't. Let's take the try. Let's <laughs> just say don't fuck murderers. I think that could be a safe rule for the podcast. I think that's okay. Do your best. <laughs> no, don't. Don't fuck murderers. I make no promises. <laughs> So she, like, rebuffs him, and he goes away, which I guess is their whole courtship, essentially. It's a very, like, old-school cartoon fairy tale where it's like, this dude's a creepy monster, and the female protagonist is like, I don't care, I love him. It's basically like if Beauty and the Beast cut out the middle part, it was like, I kidnap you in this castle, and then cut to the marriage. Yep. Pretty much. I was like, we, there's no, I need to see them fall in love. You can't just tell yeah. me they're in love. Sure do. Sure do. Um, so there's a big booze party because everybody, understandably so, is like, I How can't deal not? with this sober. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they start getting drunk, and presumably even the children who are also in the room, like, I'd be giving them some wine. Like, oh, Listen, yeah. Here's a little you, God knows. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to sleep without it. <laughs> you might not make it to, to your 21st. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, then the uh, play decorations and sets they had made start coming to life and animating themselves. And so we get like a big storm at sea and they're getting water thrown at them. And then there's a whale and the whale tail comes in the room. And then suddenly it's the Nautilus for some reason. And the squid that they fight the Nautilus, it the, the, the Nautilus fights. And then the little boy gets picked up by the squid arm and so, then gets turned into a flat wooden doll in the. I really liked that because the whole time I was watching this, I was like, "Wait a minute! They're 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 like wooden flats, and then all of a sudden it's a three D actual object coming out of them." I was like, "This doesn't make any sense! Like, you haven't explained this. This is just stupid now." Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. the the squid picks up the boy with a tentacle and pulls him onto the stage and like we see the transition of him going from boy quick fade to him being a flat. And so is the tentacle now. And I was like, Oh, never mind. You completely turned me around and got me on your side. This is now super cool. Yeah. I liked that very much. It was one of the cooler effects in the movie. Meanwhile, Pete Gallagher is doing the, the Lord's prayer and aggressively. <laughs> the kid gets, yeah. A lot of Lord's praying and the kid gets like thrown out of the set back into the real world, which is kind of a cool effect. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, the goot and Hannah, Daryl Hannah are getting crunk on champagne. It's a real stupid, stupid thing. He's like, he has champagne and they're together. She's like, it's Halloween. I have a real body. We should meet up. And he's like, yes, we should. I'll bring champagne. And then they start kissing and like, we shouldn't do this at all. And I was like, wait, hang on. What? So then they, they keep making out and be like, we shouldn't, we, we should just be friends like we agreed to. And I was like, when did we agree to that? Yeah, I don't have any recollection of that. Sorry, guys. Oh, we also missed, uh, we also didn't talk about scalping, which is not removing the hair from a person. It's, it's scalping. Scalping? Like kelp? Yes. Okay. Yes. Scalping. Where a ghost... Uh, turns into a CGI effect and phases through you sexually and then yes. phases back. <laughs> I like the way you put the emphasis on the word sexually in that sentence. Because that is the only way to describe that. Yeah, no, it is It is the perfect encapsulation. It was just very good. I'm complimenting you as all. I also love the phrase in one's cups, like I'm in my cups or he's in his cups for mm-hmm. drunkenness. Yeah, I, I, I like just watched. That. Um, I just watched the movie Bone Tomahawk. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it's an old Western horror movie with Kurt Russell. It's quite quite fun, although pretty gory. Um, but they talk about the doctor being in his cups, and they have to get his assistant. And I just I've never heard the phrase that. before that movie. Yeah, I like it. So all of a sudden, bloodsucking lawyer from Jurassic Park is like essentially pulling a like european tour guide he extends the antenna of one of his devices and everyone follows him outside to the edge of the lake where he just de- it's it's a very michael scott moment like i declare yes, bankruptcy it yes it is yes <laughs> he's like i declare this house cleansed and i was like wait that's what you're doing there was no spectacle <laughs> nope and like here's the thing buddy even if you even if you the real process of cleansing a house doesn't involve a spectacle people want a show. Yeah. They do. You got to give them a show. Uh meanwhile the Goot and Daryl Hannah are like dry humping and then like 
getting more naked and then fi- like we shouldn't do this we should do this we shouldn't do this we shouldn't do this we should do this okay and then they bone down and like the it's kind of like that scene in buffy where she and angel get is it her and angel her and snow her and spike where they tear the whole house down oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good one yeah yeah so it's kind of like that where like these magical effects just start happening all over the place as they're happening and uh meanwhile the bus drives out of the river i guess it wasn't amphibious because it sunk in there mm-hmm. and liam neeson is driving it like i'm coming for you honey like wait no you you killed that woman she's not she's not like your beloved what are you doing well no he's coming for bev d'angelo Oh, that makes he more sense. He is actively yeah, pursuing that's right. Beverly right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I just my He's note like, was I bad. skipped you're my correct. wedding murder for you for the first time in 200 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I could Sorry. bus murder you. So as he pulls the bus out of the thing and drives to the castle, like all hell breaks loose. It's like the scene in Ghostbusters where the the Titanic comes to port and just like ghosts spill out of it and start wrecking havoc. It's so just, like it's I there's again no explanation for anything the bus yeah. can shoot out evil ghosts now yeah yeah and they look kind of like the nuns without the habits on so it's just yeah. very confusing and it makes it out to be that like liam neeson is some ghost lord which is never explained either it's also but never my- explained what's been ha- like what is haunting the house because it's not daryl hannah and and liam neeson right it's something else but i do really like the scene where pete gallagher and jennifer tilly are there and the ghosts are attacking jennifer tilly and he's like oh father take me instead take me instead and they do but then when they like smash cut away from this they're not in the movie again nope not till the end like you see them in passing yeah yeah but it's like it it just this whole it's a very weird movie so uh we cut back to goot uh and there's a a ghoul hand on him and he kisses his way up daryl hannah and she has become a monster. Yeah. A full, she looks like that zombie in the first season of The Walking Dead that was only a top half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, it's, it's very amazing. Yeah, it's and, fantastic. And he's like, oh, God, and jumps out of bed like a monster. And he's like, he, the, he's like remembering the phrase from the book of, of High Spirits. And he's like, he who bones a ghost will make a, a, a corpse, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's Which is such what he did. a dickbag about it. Yeah. She's yeah. like, you said you loved me. This is kind of a big deal for the spell to be broken that isn't explained, but there's a spell apparently. And yeah. he's like, yeah, maybe let's be friends. Let's just chat and, and a handshake. And it's like, bro, you knew this was going to happen. You did it anyways. Now deal Here's with the it. thing. Here's the thing, though. If you're in this situation and you're like, if we bone down, the spell is broken... And the way that the spell is broken is that she becomes a 200-year-old corpse. I don't think I'm still in love with the corpse. But he knew that was going to happen. I don't think he quite understood it is what okay. I'm suggesting. Well, the book, I think the book essentially says, like, he who bones a ghost will make a corpse. Or, like, the bring the yeah, flesh yeah, to life. Yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying Gutenberg is stupid. I don't know. It just annoyed me that, like, this man we've been following this whole time who blindly decided he was going to help this castle full of strangers fight off his father-in-law is all of a sudden just, like, cap, like general dickbag over here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It is a weird turn. Meanwhile, Liam Neeson crashes the bus into the castle, and then there's, like, a little tete-a-tete with the... F- Liam Neeson, Beverly D'Angelo, the corpse of Daryl Hannah, and Gutenberg, where... 
Bev DeAngelo's like, oh, you fucked a ghost, huh? Well, I'm going to fuck this ghost. And it's like, like you can have very... Him. Yeah, you can have yeah, him, Daryl Hannah. Very... I'm taking your husband. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know that guy's a murderer. Like, what is this movie? And even if he's not a murderer, he's still an abuser. Like, yeah, there's exactly. layers here. There's shitty, shitty layers here. Yeah. So he, like, runs off. Beverly D'Angelo's chasing him. Daryl Hannah's like, look, motherfucker, like, you gotta kiss me or I'm gonna die. Like, you did this to me. Finish it so I can be done with this. Look what you have created, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So and he I'll- kisses her and they, like, have a real long kiss and, and you know, they she eventually, like, starts fading and becoming alive, which is pretty She cool. becomes pretty and disappears. Yeah. And then... Uh, Liam well, Neeson. no, she does. She does. She disappears. She disappears sim- but she disappears simultaneously to the moment where Beverly D'Angelo like tries to run into the arms of Liam Neeson, who has perched himself in a window, so that when she runs at him, she falls out a goddamn window and dies because he's yeah, 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 yeah. So they like simultaneously. Daryl Hannah disappears as Beverly D'Angelo dies, and I do think that is important that it happens simultaneously. Fair I enough. think it's like trading a life, basically. Not that that's ever explained. No, but I think like, <laughs> like logically watching the movie that has to be relevant, but it does not tell you that. So the goot goes outside, and in Beverly D'Angelo's clothes that she was wearing when she jumped out the window is Daryl Hannah. Yeah, and he's like, "Good enough for me." So everybody packs up and leaves, and the. The blood-sucking lawyer is like, this is the best haunted attraction hotel in the world. I'm going to give you the best reviews, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Goot just, like, lives in the castle with Daryl Hannah now, I guess. So now they have two mouths to feed that they didn't have before. Yeah, and also, like, Beverly Angelo died. Like, th- a funeral needs to be arranged. People Her father have- is rich and owns the castle. You lost the castle now. Like, my yeah. daughter died there. You're done. Yeah. And also, like, Steve Gutenberg, you should probably look a little upset about the fact that your wife died or people are going to think you murdered her. Because so he and Daryl Hannah is now in like an 80s outfit. Something out of mannequin. Yeah, it is really shoulder patty. And like they're dancing and all of a sudden in strolls friggin Liam Neeson and Bev D'Angelo wearing Daryl Hannah's ghost wedding dress. And yeah. they're like, the day is for the living. The night is for the dead. And they switch dance partners and chat and catch up because it's all casual here. Yeah. It's like, where does this scene come from? And also, like, what? De- Beverly D'Angelo is way too chill about being dead. Dead af. But like, and also, like, here's the thing, right? Now, uh, we're going to get into some pseudo religion here a little bit, but stay with me. Buckle up. When you when you get married, the vow is till death do us part. But yes. when two ghosts get married, there is no end. Well, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, assuming they got married. Well, they're wearing wedding clothes, Andrew. Yeah, well, the, because what's her face died on her wedding night. Well, I'm just saying. Now she's in a wedding dress, and she has a literal murderer to spend the rest of her life with, and she is just totally chill. Because he's that. a nice guy now. Yeah, what? That is like textbook abusive shit. All of a sudden, he's cool now, and everyone's happy with everything. Let's live in this castle for the rest of forever with the ghosts of our exes who are now in a relationship with each other. What? Yeah, and yeah, like Goot and and Daryl Hannah need to get the hell out of there. And also, let's not get spend too much time thinking about the fact that Daryl Hannah sprung into existence as a person in her in her mid thirties who is 
previously been dead for hundreds of years and so has to now assume a new identity and do all of the things that you have to do to be a human being in the 80s. But her face looks the same. Yeah. She didn't get that D'Angelo's face. Good luck figuring all of that shit out. No wonder they don't leave the castle. She can't ever be seen in public. Yeah. She has no ID. She has no record of existence. No social security card. I mean, if you want to do some some you know money laundering, she'd be helpful. But that's oh, about the list. So that's the end of the movie. What are your uh, final thoughts on the first half of our spooktacular? I don't know, man. It was like friggin' weird. I just apparently this was not the movie the director intended. What did he Al- want it to be? Allegedly, he said. What did he say? Director Neil Jordan has always maintained the release version of the film is very different from the one shot. He was more or less excluded from the editing process of the final cut. He insists that his version is still locked away in a vault. I w- but he doesn't indicate if it was like scarier or how it was different? No. Mm. But Daryl... Oh, I- Daryl Hannah was nominated for a Razzie for this movie. Huh. That surprises me. I it didn't think like- it was that bad. Is she wasn't the worst part. Yeah, no. I, I-, I think that's silly. Uh, I think there are some really cool parts to this but overall it's kind of a mess i mean it's probably fine background noise but i definitely wouldn't recommend this to you it's a real uh, soft soft recommend yeah like it's acceptable to put on while you're doing other stuff but i would not like sit down to watch high spirits despite the fact that the makeups are really cool yeah um and it was cool to see peter o'toole we haven't we have never it was had cool to such... see this entire star-studded a-list cast yeah yeah it was pretty ridiculous um really a lot of famous people in this movie which is kind of buck wild um do you have a different halloween movie you'd like to recommend oh i feel like we do this every year and hit the same things repeatedly so i don't know if you've seen anything new that you'd like to to throw in there um well we're going to discuss it when we record the next episode i think yeah we'll probably do we'll probably do a a a bonus episode um you could say that you can recommend it that's fine yeah i'll recommend the new it it's amazingly done the kids are great the design is great the tone the everything about it just is a really well done movie i'm i'm excited uh i'm gonna see it tomorrow as of this recording which i will have seen it a while ago when you guys hear this um Bone Tomahawk was really cool, although it's fairly gory. It's gorier than most of the stuff I like, but it was cool to see an Old West version of a horror movie. Uh, some interesting, like, cannibal kind of stuff going on in there. I, I dug the heck out of that. Plus, Kurt What Russell, year is that? Like, two years ago, maybe. Oh, okay. It, it's on Amazon Prime streaming. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd throw that out. And then, uh, yeah, we will uh, maybe throw another one of these at you next time when we've had time to think about it and not just the eight seconds in which I came up with this idea at the end of this recording session. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like more from the show, dissectingthe80s.com has all that good stuff, including the Hall of Fame, which Andrew still owes me for his entry from 2016. So enjoy seeing half of that anyway. Uh, you can also find us on social media, facebook.com slash dissectingthe80s, uh, sometimes on Instagram at dissectingthe80s, and it's dissect the 80s on twitter uh don't forget to check out on one of those channels the very awesome artwork by steve becker that was for our anniversary of andrew and myself being interviewed by mean gene okerland very very cool thing for a wrestling nerd like myself uh and please 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 the two most important things uh we love doing the spectacular it's usually some of our most interesting stuff i think so uh, why don't you send this to a friend who's never heard the show before or a different episode if you like that different one better that's fine i'm not picky but tell two friends that's podcasts are the best pyramid scheme because they're totally free 
So tell two friends, and then they'll tell two friends, and then suddenly we have an empire. That's what we're going for here is total global domination. Uh, we'd also love your review. If you could review us on iTunes, we will read it on the air. That would be, <laughs> that would be much appreciated as I break my equipment. 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T if you want to leave us a message. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. We will be back in two weeks uh, on October 23rd with Haunted Honeymoon. Another perhaps comedy, perhaps horror comedy about a haunted house. Uh, Thank you once again for listening. I have been Trip Leno. I will always be Andrew Leno. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.